My soul's running in color, color, color. Kick the lies that they wonder, wonder, wonder. Break the pressure that I'm under, under, under. Straight stunning in color, color, color. Welcome to The Color Within, a podcast by Subi People that explores the brilliant, colorful assets that people bring to the world and the environments they spend the most time in, including the workplace, community neighborhoods, and more. All while navigating a world with color codes. I'm Lydia, your host, and join us in this episode where we talk with Michelle Ann, who is a lover of fashion and works at a Fortune 500 company. We'll explore the color she holds within, the meaning of inscrutable, and what it means to be an ally in the workplace. Join us. Welcome, Michelle Ann. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining. And can you tell us more about where you're from and um, more about your ethnic heritage? Absolutely. So um, I grew up in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's where I consider myself as being from in a, a very rural area. And uh, my father's family came from Hungary and what used to be Czechoslovakia several generations mm-hmm. ago. And my mother is a first generation immigrant from Japan. Nice. Awesome. And what uh, positive qualities do people say that you have? I actually, I ran this by my husband because um, I think it's, it's a tough one. Um, so uh, he said, I'm very empathetic. Mm-hmm. I, I try to be. There's, I think empathy can be really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm conscientious. I, I try to do the right thing. And um, my mother says I'm opinionated, which <laughs> I consider a positive quality. Yes. And I, I would agree that you're very empathetic and conscientious. And what are you passionate about? A lot of things. Um, so y- you work with me, so you know that I'm uh, really passionate about digital accessibility. Yes. I feel like this is an area of civil rights that tends to go overlooked. Right. I'm also really into community organizing. So I'm involved in two organizations. So uh, Nikkei Uprising. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Chicago's only Japanese-American community organizing group, okay, and also JCUA, which is the Jewish Council on Urban Affairs, and I've been involved with them for several years. They're wonderful. Awesome, awesome. And can you tell me more about your role as a user experience designer? Absolutely. So, um, as you know, because we work together, I work with um, architects and content Mm -hmm. strategists, business stakeholders and developers to create websites and software that, um, you know, they all have like a different business need. Right. And uh, which is which is very interesting to delve into. And they're created for users all over the world, which is something that I really love getting to explore. Yes, that's awesome. And have you ever experienced, you know, being in a workplace Mm -hmm. in any job, maybe now or previous? Mm -hmm where somebody just saw the talent, your gifts, and just wanted to see you grow and thrive. Yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate that in my current position, mm-hmm. my work in accessibility is so very supported mm. and championed by mm-hmm. my managers. It's, yes. It can be a really hard sell, honestly. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I really appreciate that they're able to allow me to have time in my workday to um, you know, work on making our design system more accessible, right. or to have conversations or meetings about accessibility. Mm-hmm. You know, to talk to leadership about accessibility. That's that's something I appreciate so much. That's awesome. And you know, talking about everything that's been going on. Mm-hmm. You know, all the conversations around um, 
race and the inequalities that we we face here in America. Um, I'm curious to know if you have ever experienced inequality firsthand or seen anyone else experience inequality based on their ethnic background in the workplace. Yeah. Um, so something happened to me at a past job mm -hmm. that was um, really tough. Um, so I had a, a manager who I, I never really talked to him. I never heard from him. Mm -hmm. But like I thought we had a, a pretty decent relationship uh, up until my second annual review. So uh, this annual review started like most others. We you know went over my highs and lows for the year and uh, mm -hmm. talked about them. And and then my manager started asking me about my feelings. Hmm. So, okay, I was like, well, how do you feel about that? And I, you know, it's about work things. So yeah, I was like, okay, well, uh, this is my my thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. And then he'd say, well, let's dig into that. Hmm. Okay, so I'd share more feelings. And he'd say, let's dig into that some more. And then I'd share more feelings. And it, and it, it, got, it became very, very uncomfortable. It felt mm -hmm. like a, a very negative version of therapy with someone I did not feel comfortable opening up to right. to that degree. And um, you know, I told him I, was, I, was, I didn't understand what was happening. And I asked him if we could just you know, focus on my work and my performance. Right. And he just, he just stared at me. Wow. So that was... <laughs> It was really, really weird. So, um, so I was, I was very uncomfortable. And um, but eventually, he did get around to talk about my performance, and he told me mm -hmm. I'd been performing really poorly, mm -hmm. which was hard to hear. You know, like it's yeah. never what you want to hear in an annual review. Yeah. Um, and I, I asked him, you know, what have I done wrong? What, what can I do differently? Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and I, and I, I kept pressing him, and because I really wanted to know, and. Um, he, he admitted he actually could not remember what I'd done wrong. Wow. <laughs> so, so I get this, this massive blow, but no answers and, um, no idea how to move forward from that. Wow. You know, um, so I, um, you know, this, this was, this was an hour and 40 minute long conversation. That is... A lot of time. <laughs> it's a lot of time. It was it was a very upsetting conversation, and and I was just fighting tears for most of it. Yeah, and understandably so. Thanks. Um, and I and but I didn't want to cry at work, right? Like you you never want to mm -hmm. like seem unprofessional, right? And it was so important to me that I demonstrate that I could hear tough feedback and that I took it seriously. And if I cried, I knew that that could um, really make it look like I I. I I wasn't tough enough. I wasn't professional enough. Mm -hmm. So I um, was fighting to keep my face very calm and neutral and composed. Mm -hmm. And this whole conversation happened over video call. So I actually, you know, you could see like your little screen with your own right. face in the corner. And, and I kept checking myself to be like, okay, do I, do I look calm? Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I was really concerned about that. And I thought that was the right way to handle the situation. Mm -hmm. But it actually was not what my boss wanted. Um, so at one point he told me that my face looked like I wasn't taking in his feedback. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like really just shocked that he would comment on my face, you know. Mm -hmm. um, again, I was just maintaining a very neutral expression. I wasn't, right. you know, um, pulling a face or being inappropriate. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, so, so after that annual review ended, well, first I cried. 
yes. <laughs> for a long time. And um, totally understand that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was awful. And then I, you know, it took some time to process, and I took a step back, and I was like, what happened here? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and I and I talked to colleagues, and I confirmed that, you know, this was not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, maybe he's doing this with everyone. Maybe some, maybe got some bad advice that this is how you do an annual review and everyone's doing, going through this and, yeah. you know, um, but no, it was, as far as I knew at the time, it's just me. That's always good to confirm with others as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and, um, it, it, you know, in a way it was like worse cause I was like, oh, it's just me. But in a way I was like, well, something is wrong here, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, what I, you know, looking back, it was really clear to me that have this male manager, you know, pushing me to open up and share mm-hmm. my feelings with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is coming from someone who has power over my career. You know, that felt very gendered. Right. You know, and um, the fact that he wouldn't give me any actionable feedback. Right. Actually made me feel like he was denying me career growth opportunities. Mm-hmm. And... Um, just for further context, this was a manager who played favorites. Right. And I knew he was coaching some of my colleagues. And, you know, I, I couldn't understand why I wasn't worthy of of that kind of support, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it was his comment about my face that makes me think that this had something to do with race. Mm. Um, so I, I actually, when in processing what happened, I was going over it with a friend and... I asked her, I said, you know, how should I have composed myself while, while being berated? You know, like, mm-hmm. should I have tried to look more contrite or should I have smiled or did he want to see me cry? Mm. You know, and um, she, and, and, and interestingly, she's not Asian, but mm-hmm. it was, she looked at me and she's like, Mish, um, y- you know, there's actually historic precedent for, uh, Westerners saying that Asians are not expressive enough. Mm. And I was like, I was so shocked that, that that had never occurred to me because I knew about this precedent. But I guess I thought it didn't apply to me because I'm mixed race or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'd forgotten, though, that you know usually um, people who are not Asian tend to view me as Asian, okay. which is like neither good nor bad. Um, but I think you know it's, um, it's a thing that sometimes people don't see you exactly the way you see yourself, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so he was probably responding to me as an Asian woman as opposed to, I don't know, like a mixed race woman or a Texan woman or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, so to give you some more background on this, yeah. you know, historic precedent. Um, so Westerners have uh, for, you know, centuries described Asian faces as being inscrutable Mm. It's the word they use and like really hard to read uh, their motives. And this has had very real, very harmful impacts on Asian Americans. So probably the the most tragic was uh, during World War II, the U.S. government used this idea that our faces were unreadable and therefore our motives were unreadable as justification to incarcerate Japanese Americans. Oh my goodness. That's horrible. Yeah, um, you know, and there's this thought that like you you couldn't read them, so you couldn't trust them, you know. Unlike say German Americans or Italian Americans, right? Right. Um, not not that we should have incarcerated them, just you know, um, mm-hmm. they were. But Japanese Americans were definitely singled out because they were Asian, and um, you know, it's 
a known thing that in Hollywood, it's really hard for Asian Americans to get cast in roles. Um, right. You know, a lot of roles even get whitewashed. And um, there's this idea among casting directors that our faces are actually not expressive enough for acting. Hmm. That's a real thing. And um, and then in 2013, it was uh, reporter Julie Chen. Yes, I remember that. Yep, yeah. She came out and she revealed that she'd gotten eyelid surgery early in her career uh, in order to be more successful. And um, I, I had heard about it at the time, but I, I did some digging. I listened to an interview of her talking about that experience. Mm-hmm. And what happened was her own boss told her that she could not... Uh, advance her career because specifically because she's Chinese mm. and he said that her eyes the shape the natural shape of her eyes just the way they were um, made her look like she she was disinterested huh. is the word he used and her own agent refused to represent her unless she got eyelid surgery wow yeah that's you know. ridiculous it's so crazy, you know, um, and even she said, you know, she's like, yeah, after my surgery, you know, I looked, you know, what people perceive as being alert and expressive, right? But there's nothing lacking in alertness about the, sh- the natural shape of someone's eyes. Right, you know? right. That is so unfortunate, you know, um, and we, we think about when we're in the workplace, we get to meet people from all over the world Mm -hmm. and we're the ones ourselves that need to adapt to Mm -hmm. different types of, you know, backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, whether it's somebody's accent or whatever it may be. Um, We are the ones that need to be more open. Um, and, (laughs) And hopefully we're making that change. You know, I'm so thankful that she spoke out about that because so many people face that and that's that's a perception that needs to needs to change definitely absolutely i'm i i'm know there was a certain amount of backlash against her same mm-hmm. with uh chloe wong got a lot of backlash when she revealed that she had um used her uh, mother's last name bennett mm. you know in, in order to advance her career but this is a very real challenge people face right definitely oh my goodness and you know what what do you think that uh, caused that for your boss to be able to um, make that comment? Um, what do you think drove drove that? Yeah, it's hard to read his motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, what I learned from talking to colleagues. Well, actually, there's two things. So I, I talked to colleagues and I talked to him directly in okay. the aftermath. So um, I spoke to colleagues to confirm that he didn't do this to everyone. So mm-hmm. there was some singling out, but he definitely had a track record of treating women differently okay. and taking advantage of power dynamics. Got it. Uh, and he, he was actually eventually fired. So mm. um, not, not related to me, but mm-hmm. for other issues. And um, in my direct conversations with him, what I learned is that he had a lot of really negative perceptions about me and my personality Mm. and assumptions he made about how I was viewing things. So if I did something that was not how he wished I had done it, he would just assume I I didn't care or I I was trying to be difficult or stubborn. Um, It didn't occur to him that I, I was really passionate about my job and doing my best and I can't read minds. Right. You know, when I think about your friend who mm-hmm. you spoke with after this mm-hmm. interaction with your manager and how she was able to share with you kind of historical or just to like bring it to light because you were already familiar with it. 
Um, I think about like allies at work, you mm-hmm. know, people who can be there for other others, your, yeah. your other co-workers who may experience or be um, at risk of for discrimination. Yeah. Um, how how can people become allies, especially in this climate today? Like, how can they become allies, and what does it mean to be an ally at work? Yeah. So I think that managers have an enormous potential to make an impact mm. because they're in a position of power. Right. And they can set an example. And I'm sort of reflecting on what my old manager was like. Mm-hmm. And um, and also my new manager is so different and, and so wonderful and I feel very supported in my current yeah. role. Um, I think it's very important to be give really explicit, regular feedback. Right. You know, um, you, you want to make sure that all of your employees understand what success looks like. Mm-hmm. And I think managers who don't do this, they, I don't think they're trying to be racist, you know. Um, I'm sure right. it's, you know, maybe they're busy or they're uncomfortable with confrontation or mm-hmm. something. But um, the result of not being clear and explicit and direct is that it's going to be only the employees who are able to intuit mm-hmm. what you want who will be successful. Right. And those are probably the people who are the most like you. Right. You know, and especially when you consider that most managers are white, that has tremendous racial implications. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, you, you to set everyone up for success, you, you want to paint a very clear picture of what that looks like, and then everyone has a chance to achieve it. Um, you know, I think, too, this also goes back to giving people the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, assuming that all your employees are really doing their best and care about their jobs and, you know, want to be there. Right. You know, I, I think if, if you, you know, judge them based on, on their body language or their face or their accent or, or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's easy to make negative assumptions and to think that, you know, they're not, they're not invested in their job or they, they know what you want, but they're just choosing not to do it, you know? And then, um, you can very readily excuse yourself from, communicating with them clearly because because they're not even worth it right Mm -hmm. you know but if you really believe that they are doing their best and they mean well it's so obvious that of course if they're not doing something um in the way that you want them to you you should just tell them right right and i i think it's always good to ask right whenever we make assumptions that's where we get into trouble and if you're in that position of power um and you make a wrong assumption it, it can affect you know the livelihood you know uh, of that of the person you're managing Um, and I think also you know to your point when somebody's in a position of power um, they really need to be aware of the different implications that different ethnic backgrounds can have that that context just to be more sensitive to it and Mm -hmm. um, empathetic towards that and because sometimes they may not know, they may not be yeah. aware that they're having these type of interactions because of where they grew up or mm-hmm. just their their history. Um, so, you know, there's this balance, right? Yeah. Between, um, you know, holding people accountable, mm-hmm. which is something we need to do for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but then also giving people room to learn um, because when we come to the workplace, that's when we're exposed to all these different backgrounds yeah. and it's a good place to learn and, and grow as well. I agree. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on 
what can we do to make the workplace more equitable? Oh gosh, there's a lot of things we can do. Um, you know, one thing I've been thinking about is how difficult it is to raise issues and to voice mm -hmm. them. You know, I mean, you just listed statistics around EEOC complaints, but I bet there are hundreds of thousands of complaints that are never reported, right. they're never documented. Um, and I think that's because there are tremendous social consequences to right. being the metaphorical squeaky wheel. Mm -hmm. You know, um, mm -hmm. in my own life, I'm I talk a lot about racism with like my friends, but actually, when something's happening, I almost never speak up, mm -hmm. um, which I'm not proud of, and <laughs> I'm not mm -hmm. trying to like say that people should not speak up, but but rather like my experience has been that when I do speak up, no matter how gently. I phrase something, no matter how political I am, no matter how polite or meek or whatever, mm -hmm. I, I'm usually shut down immediately. Mm. And it's really painful and it impacts how I see the person I voiced my concern to. Right. You know, so, um, and I, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. So I usually don't say anything. Um, you know, and in the workplace, the stakes are so much higher than in interpersonal relationships right right like if you're seen as difficult that could mean you never get promoted or that right. you're even pushed out so i think it's important for for um people in the workplace to realize that there could be issues that are not being voiced mm -hmm. you know and to not wait for someone to say something um which of course doesn't mean you should uh, think ill of everyone right but rather i think it's so important to educate like you said educate yourself about um, racial dynamics and how they have historically played out and understanding right. the context. Right. You know, and you can do that through, through like listening to a podcast like this one, yeah. you know, or reading firsthand accounts. There, there are forums where people are sharing those experiences. Right. That is, that is so great. And, you know, to your point, it's, it's good to understand how to address those, those issues when they do come up. Um, I know there's some instances where it's good to talk one-on-one -on -one, and there's some instances yeah. where it's good to call it out and address it right there and then yeah just so that everybody in the room knows that what just happened is is not okay and this is how mm -hmm. we are this is the protocol you know moving forward in in our workplace so yeah um but michelle and i've learned so much from you today thank you so much for joining and for sharing do you have a similar story? Text me at my community number at 312-847-3352 to share your story and join the Subi People community. Thank you for tuning in and join us in the next episode of The Color Within.